Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me a different type of guest, a guest that is all about a taboo topic that we all love, but we all don't want to talk about. And she has a very special name, and everybody knows that I'm good with names sometimes. Uh, she allowed me to call her KD. So KD, I'm going to give you the floor and please tell everyone your full name and disclose all kinds of information about yourself. Okay, I'm Kamala Debbie and I use the pronouns they, them, and KD is short for Kamal. My last name, by the way, is McClure, so it's kind of a funny. I, uh, I, I've got an Indian name with an Irish last name, but I'm Jewish and Mexican myself, and so <laughs> it's a whole mix. The melting pot. That's right, and the they, that, them is, instead of saying he or she or her or him, it's saying that I'm a melting pot of uh, gender as well. So I, I really identify as non-binary on the gender spectrum. Okay. So um, let's get into some technical questions because you are a sex shamanist, correct? That's, That's a proper correct. term? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so explain to me the terms pansexual and sexual shamanism. That's something that I just want to get out the gate right there so the listeners can get an understanding for that. Great. So a lot of people have heard of bisexual, you know, it's like, oh, I'm attracted to men and women. Well, what happens when you're attracted to someone who's not a man or a woman or considers themselves both? So pansexual is like being omnisexual or, you know, regardless of what gender it is, I'm attracted to humans or to, you know, to people for being people as opposed to what their gender is. So I consider myself pansexual and polyamorous means the root of poly of course is many amorous being love uh, the term actually is multiple relationships with the informed consent of everyone involved so as opposed to multiple relationships where you're sneaking and hiding this is where everybody's in agreement and it's all out in the open and people are choosing to have multiple uh, loving partners and just Personally, because that looks very different for lots of different people, I happen to be in a 20-year open marriage. So my husband and I both have other girlfriends and boyfriends, and I'm part of a triad, and we've probably got combined a dozen other lovers that we've been doing life with, which includes, you know, raising my 14-year-old son, and some of my other lovers have kids of their own. So it's a whole family orientation. Okay, now we'll go back a little bit. Where did you find your comfort in talking about sex? You know, I love that you're pointing out that we don't just, we're not just born comfortable <laughs> talking about sex. I mean, maybe we are, but then it gets conditioned out of us. Like, ooh, that's something you should do in private and behind closed doors. Uh, but what I find is that the more that secrecy and darkness and shadow tends to breed pathology. So where I, when I came out at age 15, that I was, my mom said, a lesbiana. And she whispered it as if it was cancer. And I thought, <laughs> oh, whoa, you know, this is not something dark and shady. This is actually, I love my best friend. And I feel really, you know, like this is a healthy, beautiful thing. So I had to work really hard to start talking about it, not just in my family, but in discussion groups and getting other people to talk about their attractions. And um, it's not just 
who you're attracted to. It's like what kind of uh, stimulus you like or what kind of fantasies you have or what kind of like sexual wounding and history and past do you have, do you come from and that you're trying to heal. And the more we talk about it, the more whole we become. Okay, that, that makes sense there. So let me dig a little bit deeper. So you have a comfort in this. Um, was there something, because when people find comfort, there was a discomfort prior that sometimes enables people to get really strong and get comfortable in things. Was there some type of discomfort in life with you that made you become stronger in speaking mm -hmm. about sex? It's hard uh, to pinpoint, you know, because I came out at the age I did, which, you know, this is over 20 years ago, well over, kind of embarrassing to admit, but when you know, when I came out at the time, there, there weren't many options. It was like, are you gay or are you straight? That's it. There wasn't bisexual, transsexual, demisexual. You know, there's not, there weren't. Polyamory was something that nobody had ever heard of. You know, open relationship, what's that? <laughs> so at the time, I was just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Like, why is it that, you know, I actually had like a kundalini awakening, which means my uh, energy, my sexual energy was alive and open and moving and, and there was this awakening happening and I just wanted to know what the fuck was going on. So the only way to get answers was to be in conversation and to keep talking about it because I felt very alienated, like, that, like this is weird. This feels weird to be so alive in this little body. <laughs> okay, now, you, you um, go through these things, uh, age, you progress, you hit your 20s. Um, that's a whole different experience for all of us. Um, inside your 20s, how did you develop into who you are today? So the, the most formative moment, I'll say developmentally, was post-college. You know, I went through, like many people do, that sort of lesbian experiment or whatever in college, like, ooh, I tried this, three sons, or, you know, I explored or experimented. And there's like, that's fine when you're in college, but then settle down. So I left college and I actually fell in love with a man. I identified as a lesbian, but I fell in love with a man. And then I moved to Hawaii and I had this experience of, okay, how, like beyond identities, because you have to let go. My whole lesbian community thought I was betraying them. You know, there's this letting go of who I thought I was in order to be the big great mystery that is you know the human heart and so in Hawaii my most formative moment was the realization that I can't be defined like gay straight um, kinky or vanilla or like monogamous or open like those are all just labels and boxes and definitions but who I truly am is beyond that and then I can choose, like consciously choose to say, oh, I identified this way because then people understand and we're now using a conversation. Like we're, you know, it, it create community around it. We can do politics around it um, and that's fine, but that's all at the personality level. In Hawaii, I had a deep spiritual awakening that put me in touch with my God force and God, <laughs> this I know is controversial or debatable, but, is way beyond, you know, whether you're gay, straight, male, female, it's 
our God forces transcends all these definitions. It's, it's beyond, an, it's an entity. That's mm -hmm. what it is. It's an entity. So it's something that, that uh, gets you there. So you got your moral compass. Uh, you broke away from generalizations. That's exactly what you uh, pointed out there. So you get to a point where you find out who you are sexually, and then you decide one day to spread this message to other people, correct? Right. So the message isn't come follow me and be kinky or, hey, let's try, you know, opening your relationship. That's not the message at all. The message is know who you are. Wake up to who you are as a God force. Wake up to the full expression and then be that in the world, whatever that looks like, independent of what you're programming or who you're afraid of upsetting or you're people pleasing. And so my message is know yourself as love and be true to that. Okay. Now you have certain uh, terms that you coined. You had one that I uh, spoke with you on the pre-call, love leaders. What are love leaders to you? Right. So we have political leaders, you know, they're like gonna help us with policies and, and make, you know, political decision. And we have other leaders, whether they're community leaders, and they'll help us with our social, you know, conditions. Well, who's there? Who do we look, really look to, to say, how am I going to express myself in love? Like really ask yourself, what, what are my role models and who are my teachers? And then we think, huh, there's rom-coms in the media. There's porn on the internet. You know, there's codependent love songs on the radio like is that what's leading my love or are there people who are liberated and who know themselves as love and who can guide me on my path and so love leaders are people who dedicate their life force energy to helping other people awaken as love and express themselves by the way that's my cat <laughs> cat <laughs> wants to chime in and say meow well. <laughs> um, that's what a love leader is Okay, okay. Now, you have many different titles attached to your name. And for the audience, you can go over to your website, which is? KamalaDevi.com. You can find you on Instagram and Facebook at? Also at KamalaDevi. All right. And of these titles, can you mention each title and give a description of what you do inside those titles? Oh, I'd, be happy, I'd be happy to. Let me tell a funny story though, JR. I understand that you work at Walmart. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So I, so these titles are controversial and recently my most recent book, I was going to title 52 Fridays with my bitch, but my agent said to me, Oh, if you title it that, we can't sell it to a Walmart. <laughs> Nobody's gonna buy 52 Fridays with my bitch. That's too, you know, like radical. And I, like you, was like, but wait, sex sells, you know, like maybe yes. they'll be intrigued. It says, no, no, you have to change it. And my my publisher agreed. So my most recent book is called 52 Fridays. Okay. But the exciting thing is that you can get it at Walmart now. And it's it's anywhere that books are sold. Um, so that's my most recent book but I've been writing now for, um, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I wrote a, a book called Don't Drink the Punch. Okay. And that was in my own tantric journey when I was studying sacred sexuality in India, I found myself part of a cult 
And in coming out of the cult experience, I decided to make a novel, like an adventure story okay. um, that teaches Tantra. And so that's a adventure story that, uh, you know, actually gives lessons. In fact, all of my, all of my books have that kind of quality of entertainment and education. The, the next book I wrote was called Sec Sacred Sexual Healing, which is a wonderful manuscript, like a text for love leaders. It has tons of exercises and tools to release sexual guilt and shame and fear. Um, and it also teaches sex magic, which is, oh. you know, yeah, that's where we do this like dedication of our orgasmic energy to our intention, our dreams, our goals, and we can actually manifest our reality with our sexuality. Okay. Yeah, and then I had uh, fun with two art books. Um, one is called Sacred Slut Sutras, and oh. the other is Polyamory Pearls. It's even a tongue twister for me, the author. Anyway, these two books are like poetry and art that really transmits the heart of the path, the, the sacred slut or someone who's on the polyamorous path. Okay. And then the most recent book, um, besides the 52 Fridays, is called Sex Shamans. And this is a compilation. Like I've got an, a whole anthology of different stories of other love leaders. Some of them are witches and rabbis, and I've got a runway model and a skydiving instructor who had awakenings and became sex shamans and it tells their stories. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so I want to dab in a little bit. We'll go back to the, the uh, other two books in just a minute. minute. Sexual guilt, uh, just because you're an expert and just because uh, I know that people want to know this, how do you get out of sexual guilt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so guilt is a tricky and sticky feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of like, and I'll, I'll make the distinction between guilt and shame. You know, guilt is like, oh no, I did something wrong, something dirty, something bad. And shame is, oh no, I'm wrong. I'm dirty. I'm bad. You know, and, and a lot of times when we have like a very natural, healthy impulse to make love or to, you know, to penetrate or to, um, to be seduced. Like these are natural impulses. Um, and then the guilt comes up because then we start thinking, oh, I shouldn't be feeling that way. Now, one of the biggest ways to heal is to create a wedge of awareness between what you're feeling on the inside and what you're doing on the outside. And so the more we cultivate this awareness that your fantasies and your feelings are welcome and, and, and we can give permission to that. However, we have to learn impulse control and delayed gratification and how to negotiate a consensual scene that, you know, you're welcome to feel and think anything you want, but there's a moment in which when you're going to act, you want to make sure that it's with full consent of everyone involved. And that helps as you build that muscle then you feel like, ooh, I can celebrate my freakiness and I can act on it only when there's permission and then there's no need to feel guilt and shame because it's something that's that's welcomed. Okay, I like that answer there because you know people get into situations and, 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 I, and I say this like, you know, you're in a relationship for a long time or in a multiplicity of relationships <laughs> and 
you know, you, you develop a, a certain sexual urge for that person and then a certain sexual need for the person and then a desire. And then you get to the point where it, at some point, and I know it happens to everybody, you get to where it's not so much a sexual desire, you know, in certain areas. So fixing that guilt could probably help a lot of people there. Now, mm -hmm. let's dive into 52 Fridays real quick. What inspired this? Woohoo! This is a really fun, fun, fun book. Um, it is okay. I was on a reality show. Okay. Uh, it's called Polyamory Married and Dating on Showtime. Okay. And for two seasons, the camera crew from Hollywood came into my house. I live in San Diego, by the way, and they recorded you know, negotiations that I had with multiple lovers. They followed us on dates. They watched me having breakfast with my son at the kitchen table. You know, they showed our everyday life, but then they even showed our life in the bedroom. Oh. An adult program, it's cable. So they yes. followed us into the bedroom. <laughs> and so many people after the show were like, oh, how do you do it? Like, how do you negotiate threesomes? How do you create these kinky parties? How do you, you know, just like, looks like you have the American dream, but you also have this wild fantasy life. And so the book, 52 Fridays after the show was done, and by the way, I was burnt out. Like, it's hard to be on camera and it's hard to be in Hollywood. And I was getting hate mail and, and I was just like, okay, I need to escape into a fantasy place that is fun and healthy and educational. And I wanna answer that question, how do I do it? So I started writing this book and every page, every 52 Fridays, every Friday was a date night that was kinky, queer, poly, and uh, tantric. And I give just intimate juicy details because it was, therapeutic for me <laughs> to write this book and recover from the reality show. And also you have an award-winning documentary? Yes, yeah, Sex Magic. Um, and so one of my, my co-author uh, of one of my books, Baba Des Nichols, was the main uh, story and it followed his life and his love as he used sex magic. As I mentioned, it's this like kind of alchemy, this, this um, this powerful way of directing your sexual energy. He was using it um, at the time he was trying to get his ex-girlfriend back. And there's a whole story about his broken heart and how important it is to use this energy towards things that are like life enhancing for everyone that everyone's in consent of, as opposed to trying to use it on somebody who doesn't want that. <laughs> but <laughs> It's available on iTunes and on Amazon, and it's you know talks about the sexual healer and the the life of the um, the tantra teacher. Okay, and also you have something up on Audible, uh, shamans, true stories of sacred sexuality and awakening. Can you tell us about that? Like I said, you're a multifaceted lady. That's right. So if you're not much of a reader and you're like, okay, I just want to listen, uh, this book, Sex Shamans. Uh, so again, you can just look up Kamala Devi and it'll come up. This book, in addition to telling the deep narratives of um, people's awakening stories has 20 exercises. So it's like a how-to book and entertaining. And those exercises can be things that you can do with yourself at home 
um, in order to, again, release the guilt and shame, but also activate your, uh, your full sacred sexual expression. So if you're not in a partnership and if you're like, I don't even know where to start, this book would be a really great one to say, oh, here's some regular practices that I could do to raise my vibration and make myself more, you know, fall in love with myself, make myself more attractive and maybe, um, you know, transform my relationships as well. Okay. And you've had numerous appearances across all types of TV shows um, and all that other stuff. How do you deal with that type of pressure of being a celebrity? No matter how you cake it up, if you don't feel like you're a celebrity, how do you, how does it, how does that work for you? How do you take that kind of pressure? What type of mental focus do you personally have to have for all this? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. I don't consider myself a celebrity, but I do feel very called. Like I am a messenger and I'm here on earth to share that the most core, the innermost core of who everybody is, you know, is love and I want to give permission to people to that their sexuality is their creativity. And I know that if it hit, you know, I can't just, I can't just vibrate that myself in my own self-pleasuring practice at home. It's like, if I'm going to impact the world, I have to be willing to have these interviews and do the, make these appearances and, and show up. So most everything that I've created, including, and especially my books um, have all been coming from that message. So it's like from the inside out, it's not so much Ooh, I want to look good or worried about how I appear because that would drive me crazy. If I was worried about looking good, I'll tell you in the beginning, the first time I got hate mail, I did a Tyra Banks show. And this woman told me like, you're going to burn in hell. And I can't believe you're a mother and your child is going to need psychological, you know, help. And I, you know, it's vulnerable. It's raw. It's like, I went on Tyra. I brought, brought my son into the picture and then I get this. And I just like, like my heart sunk. I was new mom and I couldn't get out of bed. I pulled the covers over my head and I was just like, Oh, people are going to think I'm a terrible mom. And my Tantra teacher, Charles Muir. Um, and I posted on Facebook, something like, I want to, <laughs> you know, like, oh, another hate mail, ouch, you know, I'm miserable, something, some kind of cry for help. I get a call from, from Charles Muir, my Tantra teacher at the time. And he said, you know, you're having a rough day, huh? And the, the traditional wisdom is if you're not pissing people off, you know, if you're not getting some like blowback from what you're doing in the world, you're probably not doing enough. You're not pushing the em envelope enough, right? So he said something along those lines, reminding me that like, hey, if you want to make change in the world, you're going to have to make ripples. You know, people are going to have their opinions. But what he said that touched me so deeply beyond that is he said, think about this poor person, wherever they are. They, they said, you know, you're going to hell and I'm going to pray for your soul and whatever it is, think about their, them in their church how much hate they must have in their heart to have gotten up and found your email and written you that letter. And that person is in so, they're in hell already. He says, and instead of seeing this as hate mail that you hide from, why don't you look at this like a prayer request? 
there are people in the world that when you talk about sex, they get so upset and angry and incensed that they come after you with pitchforks. He's like, those are the people that we're doing this work for. Like we want to help liberate, like help give the message that sex is okay so that they're not feeling that much guilt, shame, and anger. And even though that particular person I'm not going, you know, face-to-face battle with, I got that like, wow, I really do want this message to get out there. And it really is going to make a mess. Like that person might have a kid that's gay or meet someone. And like my, my leadership could make it easier for that, them on their path. And so I was able to take that, you know, the way people see the judgment they have and just be like, hey, this is just going to fuel my cause. Um, because if you're going to judge it, you know, really what you're doing is judging your own sexuality. And that's what I'm trying to free you from. Okay. That's really deep right there. Um, and, and I must say, like, everything you said, you definitely will help someone. So let's go into the helping portion. Um, you offer quite a bit of service. Like I said, you're a multifaceted lady here. Um, <laughs> what type of services do you offer to help people out? Because once again, you're an author. And um, one thing I like to get into, because I do interviews with all types of people, life coaches, writers, sometimes life coach, coach writers. Um <laughs> How did you, I mean, what made you decide, you know, to go all the way back? What actually made you decide to get into publishing books and things like that? Because that's a really hard field to get into. Yeah, it sure is. I, I write books in order to address the widest audience that I'm never going to meet. I don't have time to talk to everyone. So like if I spend, for example, uh, Sex Shamans took me three years to write. And if I spend three years on that project, then it's here forever. Like that is a gift to my grandchildren. Like, okay, yeah, it's a three-year investment, but it, it's immortal. It immortalizes this message. And that's not the same as if I have one deep conversation. So I'm happy to work belly to belly in, in intimate mentorship with individuals. And I may change their life really radically but if I want to change a lot of lives, you know, in, into the future, then I want to do the writing. So that was my, my compulsion to write is basically to talk to the future. <laughs> <laughs> and my compulsion to, to teach and heal and work with individuals is from my, you know, just my love of humanity. Um, I'm particularly interested in working with artists and visionaries and others other leaders who are changing the world uh, so that I can support the leadership. Um, And if you're not, you know, like if you're interested in working with me and you're not those things, like I have courses and classes, the best way to, you know, work with me is to go to kamaladebbie.com, get on my mailing list, and then I'll, I'll send out special invitations to all kinds of things. Right. And, and also one thing that caught me off guard was the actual mentorship for writing. Mm-hmm. And, and stuff like that because uh too many times people get out here and start writing things they get it to the kdp which is the kindle thing they get it to um one of the self-publishing schools that are out there and then they get turned away not at kdp but at the self-publishing they'll, they'll be like hey you need to go back and do this but for someone like you to actually take your time out of your really busy schedule to help out with that that's amazing um what made you want to do that 
Yeah, so, you know, the if I'm really honest, it's not like I made a decision to do this or to do that. It's not strategy. It's sort of like operating instructions from the goddess. Okay. <laughs> like I genuinely feel called to do everything I do. And sometimes it's like, oh, I guess this is what I'm doing because this is where the energy is. And I love working with writers because the inner, the, when we, commit to writing or committing to being to becoming something that we don't even know who we're going to become because the journey of writing is so transformative and i feel that it's transformation for the writer that then translates to you know potential transformation for the world um so it's one of those like i give and it gives back tenfold to all of those readers so i'm happy to help writers um, because they're doing good work in the world. Okay. Now, um, just to throw the listeners back in, because, you know, when you're doing a podcast, they get into certain circles, and some people skip through the podcast. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Can you tell them about these two books real fast, the newest ones? Because once you find the newest ones, you can find the rest of them. Of course. So KamalaDevi.com. And so it's actually our new vice president has the name Kamala Devi. People don't realize that Devi's her middle name, but it's spelled just like the vice president's name. And I recently published 52 Fridays and Sex Shamans, which can both be found anywhere books are sold. Okay. Now, um, how do they get in contact with you? If someone needs to personally get in contact with you to set up something over um skype over um zoom or when we go back to the norm how do they catch up with you i'm so excited i revamped my website because it has a nice little contact form right on there kamaladevi.com and send me a note and we'll be in touch and i and i like that that you're personable that you will reach out to people so um comes a time in this show um i'm 35 years old and um there was a program growing up on fridays uh, it was called uh, 2020. Mm. It's a news magazine. Um, you had Diane Sawyer on there. You had Barbara Walters. So those are your serious questions. You had John Stossel on there. He does a funny question. Well, we're not here for the John Stossel part. Uh, if we want that, we'll go find him. He, I wish he would do a podcast. He's one of my favorite news uh, casters. Um, so here's your Diane Sawyer question. Okay. From the age of eight, to the age that you are now, which we'll say is 24. Okay. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> to the future you, what would be the voice of the past? The voice of the past. Sorry, you got that with me? Mm-hmm. What would be the voice of the present and what would be the voice of the future? Ooh, I love time traveling, first of all. So this is a, a juicy question. I think... Um, You know, I genuinely feel like the past, the present, and the future are all here right now, you know, here within me, you know, everybody has these different versions, like the inner child, (laughs) the current, and then the future self that's always coaching me and directing me. So I love this. It's, it's actually deeper than just an interview question. It's like a, a life philosophy. Um, in terms of, you know, what would those three different messages say? Uh, the, the inner child is just about play and create and don't care what anybody thinks or says. 
And, you know, the future self, <laughs> uh, this is the one that inspires me to make a contribution to be the change that I want to see the world becoming. Okay. And the deepest message that I have from my current standpoint is about knowing who we are and being that and just being in love with what is and, and what, you know, that at our essence, who we are is love. All right. Now, are you ready for the deeper Diane Sawyer question? Because this is the one that sets you up for, for the next person that's interviewed for Barbara Walters, but we're going to just act like you're going to Barbara Walters after this. <laughs> All right. Give All right so, so here, what failure sets you up for success? Say it again. What, what, what failure set you up for success? Okay. Interesting. So I had a nervous breakdown after the reality show. Um, I, I alluded to like, I was burnt out and I needed to write a book and that was therapeutic, but really it was a deep psychological split. I, I genuinely <laughs> put way too much into that project and uh, it resulted in, in a series of breakups and heartbreaks and loss. And then I broke up internally and to recover from the depths of that depression you know, it really was, I didn't know, I, there was suicidal thoughts and I, I didn't know I could make it back. To recover from that, like the dark night of my soul gave me so much compassion for how many people are living on the edge and how much, you know, how tender and vulnerable it is to love and to lose. And then the success that comes out of a nervous breakdown is, I got to rebirth, you know, like everything died. And then who I became through that is most consistent with my God self. Okay. Now for the Barbara Walters question. <laughs> and this is, this okay. is, Barbara Walters always had a nice spin on things. Um, and the one thing I take from her journalistic integrity is uh, a question that you giving back to the audience and to the community. So here's a question. What would you say to the next Kamala on how to go about the same path issue or a similar path? Maybe not the same, we'll go similar. What would you say to them? And what would be the four things that you would tell them not to do that you did? Ooh, so it's sort of a cautionary tale. Don't have these regrets, right? <laughs> we won't say regrets because that's a little strong, but we'll just right, say, right. <laughs> okay, so the four things not to do. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Um, you know, it, wow. <sighs> and I'll give you time to think. And now I do want to say this to the audience. All this is improv right here. The, <laughs> this last, the, the Diane Sawyer in the 2020 thing, everybody gets hit with this, but I don't allow you to know the questions or give you any type of things we did go over some things before we recorded but i didn't tell you anything about this so this is kind of putting her on the spot when i was you know i can actually say there were four episodes of massive psychological instability in my life i mentioned okay. the nervous breakdown but i was also postpartum depression after i had my baby i wanted to die there was moments in my uh identity crisis search for self when I felt that I would 
um, you know, be better if I left my body, like I could actually help humanity more from an angel form. Like this is the kind of self-talk I had. And I have the same message for all four episodes. So I'm basically going to tell you the one thing (laughs) that I would have done differently times four, which is ask for help sooner. Every time it gets too hard or I feel like I can't do it and I, you know, hang on to my pride or I try to look good or try to be independent and do it myself, like I'm just delaying the inevitable, which is that we are here to help each other and that we do so much better when we lean on each other and that getting, there's no shame in getting coaching, support, allies, community. And so Anytime I went wrong in my life, it's because I tried to go to do it alone. And even though we have to do it ourselves, we don't have to do it alone. So I wish I would have asked for help earlier. And, and I like that message because that, 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 that helps people because so many people, and even I'm guilty of this sometimes, sometimes I do need to ask for help and I just don't do it. I do it on mine. And, and that's one thing that we all can work on there. So Katie... We're uh, to the end of this episode. I want to thank you very much for coming on. I want to thank you for your message. Uh, I hope that 52 Fridays, sex shamans, and everything sexual you're involved in <laughs> continues to prosper. Thank you. You too. And um, lastly, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Because we all have makeup that we put on, but there's someone that told us what type of makeup we should use. So, <laughs> so is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, I will do a little prayer request. My brother Carlos is in um, addiction recovery, and I'm just sending so much light and positive energy to him as he's uh, making it through that wormhole. Okay. And once again, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. It's great to learn about different people. Um, So many times people like to stay squared and don't look for circles. You're one of those circles in the world. And I want you to keep doing that because we need more circles than squares because circles are better than squares. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, JR. (laughs) All right. And we're signing off.